Thank you for listening in right now. Glad to have you here. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's connect online. You can reach Greener Thoughts by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in each episode's show notes. You can do so via the Anchor app or by email at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. There aren't any environmental holidays to cover at the moment, so I'm going to just jump into the first segment uh, up next, which is headlines from the hemispheres. It is covering environmental news all across this amazing globe. And so the first story we're going to talk about is one about dogs and some interesting progressive information about how they develop. So dogs become rebellious teenagers at eight months, but this too shall pass. And you can learn a bit more about the story on treehugger.com. So regarding the research, it was done um, at at, um, Newcastle University in England. And uh, it's kind of striking because it it refers to and is about research dealing with dogs and how they... Um, are pretty similar to humans in one striking bit. So, you know, being a teenager, we've all been there. And uh, with adolescence becomes, um, you know, a lot of things um, going on in that period of, of adolescence and growing, you know, with all the attitudes and growing pains and risk-taking and thinking that you're invincible. And, um, you know, being a teenager and in that phase, it isn't uh, something that's exclusive to humans. And so dogs go through a similar sort of change. So with dogs, they go through puberty at around eight months. And, you know, sure enough, the researchers found that dogs that were more likely to ignore commands at the stage given by their caregivers and were harder to train at the eight month age. And then the study uh, started uh, with monitoring the obedience level of uh, ages five months to about eight months. And that was in a group of 69 dogs. And then they looked at the larger group of uh, 285 dogs. And they, uh, all of them, all the dogs received lower scores of like trainability uh, around eight months compared to when they were five months or even when they were a year old, like 12 months. So the study uh, notes that the welfare consequences of the dog's teenage like behavior could be definitely uh, long lasting. And that at that point, Um, it's when a lot of owners just give up and they usually will give their dogs to shelters not knowing that their behavior is just a a result of them in that teenage phase. Uh, So how do we um, uh, bring a solution to this? How do we uh, face this phase better um, in our in-dogs? Well, the issue is to simply, like 
any teenager you you know have or even at the time when you were a teenager handle it with care patience and with time it's not going to uh be you know forever but we were all a teenager at some point so we should just give our dogs a break the study itself is called teenage dogs Evidence for Adolescence Phase, Conflict Behavior, and an Association Between Attachment to Humans and Pubertal Timing in the Domestic Dog. And it was published in Biology Letters. The second headline is about concrete and an interesting uh, uh, part that could be uh, making concrete a bit better in the future. Making stronger concrete with sewage-enhanced steel slag. And that was on ScienceDaily.com in the Science News section. And this comes all the way uh, down under from RMIT University in Melbourne, Australia. So all the Australians listening, you will probably enjoy this story. So researchers, engineering researchers specifically at RMIT University, were examining whether slag uh, had been used. They had been used to treat uh, wastewater. Could also be recycled as a sort of material for concrete. Concrete, as we all know, uh, has um, a bit of post-treatment uh, steel in it. About seventeen percent. Uh, is, is stronger uh, than concrete that's made with conventional aggregates, and it's it's eighteen it's eight percent stronger with uh, than just raw uh, steel slag. So in the study, the uh, engineering researchers, those who were civil uh, engineering researchers and water engineering ones as well, they found that the chemical chemical properties of the slag. Uh, were enhanced through the wastewater treatment. So this is great because it performed better than our regular concrete. So the study, for all those who may be interested, is recycling steel slag from municipal wastewater treatment plants into concrete applications, a step toward circular economy. It was published in Resources, Conservation, and Recycling. And then last but not least, we have a piece from NPR.org on nearly emptied roads, motor vehicle fatality rate spikes by 14% in March. And this was from the um, from out of the uh, U.S. And there is a council. I don't know if you may have known about it. It's called the National Safety Council. And it reported some striking data. And it found that the number of uh, motor vehicle fatalities and those who have been killed uh, per miles driven and actually went up about 14% compared with um, last year in March uh, 2019. So the council had compared just the um, the year's worth, so from March 2019 to March 2020, and that's when the analysts saw the 14% spike. In previous years, like in back um, back in 2018, there was a number of both pedestrian and cyclist deaths that were shattering all types of records. So 
So we're gonna dive into the topic at hand and I realized that I have done a few podcast episodes about microplastics and every now and again, you know, there are listeners who haven't really seen those or um, I haven't maybe gone as deep into um, them as I wanted to because there's always new research or new studies to talk about um, when it comes to microplastics. And it's a fascinating topic because it is about waste, it is about ocean life, it is about marine life, um, it is about plastic waste which is so uh, tied to some of our everyday life because a lot of people still use plastic bottles and plastic bags and all types of other plastic um, uh, products. Um, and, and it's in use and it's not really going anywhere. Um, so we can just avoid using it, of course. Um, so I thought to talk about an interesting, um, new topic because it happens to deal with, um, marine life specifically and, you know, their homes, literally the shells that they have to carry and they mistake it. They mistake uh, their, their uh, new shells, these, these homes as, as plastic ones. And um, I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was, you know, easy to digest for uh, people who are kind of like new to the topic of maybe microplastics or wanted to learn something different. So I figured to talk about it. And I also watched the videos um, about hermit crabs and uh, them actually dying in mass because they're restricted from the plastic uh, homes that they try to uh, rehome themselves with. So we're going to uh, look into the topic and talk about it. So we're going to edge into it. Microplastics mean death for hermit crabs. So I kind of, you know, put that as a title uh, for uh, this bit we're going to talk about in the news. And so we're going to talk about hermit crab research. So the research comes out of Queen's University in Belfast, Ireland, and it discovered that exposure to microplastic particles in water, seawater, actually inhibits and stops a crab's ability to assess uh, the potential of a new shell. So hermit crabs, you may you know not be familiar with them or see them, know them, but they constantly feel the need to upgrade their shells, which they should, uh, because there's a point at which they're going to have to um, grow out of that and they're gonna have to make a new home in another type of shell. So these crabs are vulnerable without their shells and they just cannot survive a long time without them. And you know, crab shells, they need to be swapped out continuously um, because the crabs uh, need to grow and the shells go along with the new phase um, of growth with the crabs, with the hermit crabs. So how do hermit crabs swap shells so easily? Well, they do so by forming a sort of dance uh, for shells with other crabs and they, they assemble in a line of sorts from biggest to smallest and so they leave their old shells right at the perfect time to snag another hermit crab shell and then get into that bigger one before uh, any other hermit crab uh, t- tries to get it and you know they can do so if they are so lucky and the competition is a free fall after that they just have to snag the next biggest shell that they can be comfortable in it and make sure that they don't have the same old one that they had before 
it's it's such an experience watching it and seeing it um in motion it's really um striking it's it's kind of like it's a it's a game or like a challenge for them but this is real life and this is what these hermit crabs they have to go through um in that process of getting a new home a new shell so with the research bit it was actually uh, published in biology letters and it describes um, the process of this research. And with that, there were two different groups. One of them was with uh, female crabs, and they were two groups, and they were in two separate uh, individual tanks. One of them had 29 female crabs, and another had 35 female crabs. And both of the tanks had seawater, seaweed, but one of them, one of the tanks contained four millimeter um, diameter polyethylene beads. So they're really, really small um, microplastic uh, parts, really, really small, like four millimeters. And the crabs, they were stuck in these tanks for uh, five days and then they were removed and uh, taken out of their shells and given new shells to move into. But uh, with those shells, they, the crabs, they uh, wouldn't have chosen them for themselves. And about half of the ideal weight um, for each crab, that was um, what was done. So these crabs didn't even have or were, weren't even properly equipped uh, to even distinguish which shells um, to suit themselves with because of the uh, microplastic uh, in there. And so uh, within two hours uh, later, um, uh, after the um, crabs were uh, presented with better shells suitable to them. So they had to wait two hours and then they could properly get the correct uh, shells. Before that, they got shells that they wouldn't have chosen otherwise. So what does the research show us? What are the end results? Well, a few things. One of them is that the team found that 25 of the crabs who had not been exposed to the microplastics explored their right-sized shells the first time, uh, with 21 of the crabs, 60% calling uh, those shells their new homes. But by opposite contrast, the crabs uh, that had been exposed to microplastics took longer to begin exploration and even fewer did so exploring. About 10 of them made contact with the rights uh, sized shells the first time and only nine or 31 percent of the group um, made those shells their home so the research is saying and the research suggests that exposure to plastic particles changes the way that the crabs even perceive their shells in other words the pollution is affecting their cognition so um, after the research was done and carried out, all the crabs, for those who may be wondering, in the study were of course returned to the beach in Ireland unharmed. Microplastics are horrible. Microplastics get everywhere and they're so tiny and they're, they're, they're made tiny from the bigger um, hunks of plastic that seem to just be crushed and disintegrate um, either in the ocean, on the beach, sometimes even before then, um, uh, out of households, other places, uh, when they get to uh, stormwater drains and other types of drains, they kind of just are 
are crushed uh, beyond measure. And they're so tiny, they end up getting into, you know, the bodies of uh, wildlife, marine life, sometimes pets, other um, critters, and it kills them, unfortunately. It kills them, um, you know, their babies. Sometimes they even get the, uh, the brunt of uh, the plastic particles, and it kills so many um, wildlife every single year. And it's destructive because it's hard to, to manage all those those millions of microplastic uh, uh, particles. Uh, one of the reasons why I stopped using uh, beaded body wash, it's been years now, is because I felt like I wasn't getting clean and the uh, beaded body washes, they weren't uh, organic or natural certified uh, clean at all. And they were from producers that... Uh, they're they're naturally or their their claim to fame or what they're known for isn't organic or natural skincare or body care at all. So I was like, why am I paying um, and putting money in their pockets and they aren't even uh, using clean ingredients, you know, better packaging and they're they're not known for that. So I figured to just eliminate body wash. Period. Just use. Um, uh, bar soaps. That's just what I use. I love them. You know, Shea Moisture, um, Alba, um, Organics, Bird's Bees. I've used their products and sometimes scrubs I use. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm a lover of bar soaps because you're not paying for the water content, for the plastic, even though, um, you know, most often uh, recycling is an option. Um, I think that, uh, bar soaps can get you a bit longer stretch, um, because body washes, they only always have the, the biggest size available. They have like 8 ounce or so, maybe a little bit more, 12 ounce, etc. But unless you're like thinking like Dr. Bronner's Castile soap size, then um, there aren't too many companies that do that unless you're talking commercial uh, avenues. But I, I literally stopped, um, you know, washing with St. Ives, CVS brand stuff. This was like pre- um, my university days probably because I would use, you know, scrubs for my face, St. Ives thinking it's also natural and all their marketing and it's BS, it's horrible. And I just started taking better care of what I put on my face, um, and using to clean myself. So, um, I, I realized that the beads weren't worth it. Um, you know, paying for uh, a product that wasn't sufficient uh, kind of gave me a bad reaction to acne and one of their apricot scrubs or whatever scrub that was. I just couldn't figure it, didn't like it. And uh, for me, the bar soaps last a bit longer um, because if you're not careful, you're going to put, you know, all the uh, the sudsiness and liquid part of your soap down the drain because it can be so liquefied, a, a body wash. Um, so I just definitely transitioned um, and I've been using bar soaps for a long time now, especially with the Shea Moisture ones. They are huge. And when I mean huge, they are huge. They are like two, two and a half inches thick and they will probably last you, I don't know, maybe more than a month or you can cut them in half and then use them like that. Either way, they're better for you. Um, great ingredients. I've done a whole um, review of Shea Moisture products and still continue to use them just like other brands like Brits Bees among others. 
So um, with microplastic, there have been amazing um, progression of laws and bans against microplastic in recent years. And uh, with research, it had um, explored that in 2019, uh, recent uh, research published that uh, Americans ingest about 74,000 microplastic particles a year, according to the World Wildlife Fund. Um, but governments, I think, need to, all across the world, um, need to take more um, stance and uh, pack a punch against microplastic pollution, take it more seriously. There are a handful of comp- uh, uh, countries, not companies, but, but um, companies need to do more too, but more countries that have taken it upon themselves to eliminate the use of microplastic where um, it's prevalent. Places like Sweden, Austria, Luxembourg, uh, the Netherlands, Belgium, all of them collectively have outlawed these the tiny particles in personal care products, which is amazing. But places like India and uh, Italy have also done amazing things like draft laws to uh, end microplastics in the use of them, which would, um, you know, keep marine life alive. And they are set to enforce the ban and inhabit uh, take heed in 2020. Uh, places like Canada, they've uh, actually taken upon themselves to uh, do a bit of the legwork. And they actually were probably one of the first countries uh, back in May 2015 to enact a bill to make sure that um, it was banned, the making of microbeads in manufacturing when it comes to cosmetics and those type of products. They actually made sure the companies could not make uh, microbeads. And in the U.S., there was a recent um, act called the Microbead Free um, Waters Act. And other countries have taken hold to, like France, New Zealand, etc. And they've, you know, made popular more legislation against uh, the use of microbeads. I, um, I, I know that it may be hard to... Uh, absorb the fact that things are changing, you know, and microbeads are not the way, they are not the path. Um, and they're disgusting and and we should even be ashamed of ourselves for even thinking that plastic, anything was good for our bodies. I don't even know how or who created microbeads um, uh, in the first place, but microbeads are a step in the right direction. I think another important step is to get rid of um, other plastics and other um, components of things that will that shred easily or break down into small uh, and smaller particles. That's a, another um, point of contention. Um, we should have whole use items, and the plastic that we u- should have and, and 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 do have, sure, make it into other items. Make sure that it's recyclable. We shouldn't be making plastic that's not recyclable. We shouldn't be making plastic anyway, but. You know, estimates of less than 10% or so of all the plastic on the planet we've recycled, that's abysmal. And that should change. That needs to be better. It will be better in the future. And I just, um, I'm happy to have talked about this interesting topic. And I'm so sad um, for the hermit crabs. But with us all taking the steps that we need to in a relinquishing microbeads to the past, I think we can all save the hermit crabs and all the marine life affected by plastic pollution, microbeads, and uh, all the associated effects uh, from our toxic pollution.
The Mother Earth Minutes is where we review, in the next few minutes, proactive things we can all do to combat the issue in the episode and protect Mother Earth. So, with the message of this podcast episode, it's just a quick fact, and I just want to talk about the study that was estimating the number of uh, global plastic tons It was talking about 8 million tons of plastic entering the oceans every year. Um, It's probably more than that in the year 2020. But that just gives you a glimpse of just the pollution that we're uh, spewing out into our oceans every single year. And that's just plastic pollution. You know, there's other types of pollution we don't talk about, like tires and cigarette buds and toys and all the barges and ships that go under or shipwreck or everything else and all their um the the product that's on those ships you know no one talks about that but plastic pollution is up there as far as waste um so we're going to talk about some brief um easy tips you know always trying to make the tips easy or find easy tips that uh, will make um not having um, you know, plastic pollution, microbe pollution be a thing that you have to deal with. As in like, you're not one to contribute um, to the problem. So one of the first tips is easy. Um, I do it all the time and I haven't bought bottled water in, I don't know how long, in like years. I just don't buy it in the store. It's just not my thing. I have enough sense to have a filter or to just like even use tap water if things got really, really bad. But um, the first tip is easy to stop buying bottled water. Uh, bottled water, as we all know, you know, in the U.S. at least, that a lot of companies are either using tap water or it's un- or it's regulated to some degree. But you know, there's like one or a few people even monitoring the whole of the uh, bottled water industry in the U.S. And with bottled water, uh, it does lead to a bit of microplastics and um, most often people aren't recycling them as they should. And then there's the PFA chemicals, all types of things um, associated with bottled water. So that's one uh, particular tip that's really easy to do. Just use your own container. I use and love my uh, Contigo um, bottled water um uh, container and it's steel and you just um, screw it. it has the rubber um, t- top to it which I can it's attached to itself and it's amazing I love it I've been using it since 2017 I, I love it I bought it from Target it is so convenient it's stainless steel just easy cleanup um, I love it and I use it for all my water needs just just go to the fridge get the filtered water from the um, filtered spout uh, just in the front of the fridge and I just go from there I love it it solves all my water problems number two is to never use disposable cups now this is easy especially if you're in in home in the home um, maybe if you're having parties or not having or parties um, but uh, either case, maybe you can use paper cups or a recyclable cup for guests or something of that sort. But in this case, just invest in a reusable coffee mug. I also have plenty of those. Uh, you could do the same thing with straws, um, but with straws, I'll also just not use or buy disposable ones. There are bamboo ones, there are silicone ones, there are glass ones. I've, I, I did 
um, an episode where I talked about the many different types of straws that are out there. They're so diverse um, and you can just use reusables. So with the cups, um, especially those um, plastic ones that you may have uh, known about, um, may see you know up and about popular kinds, they are lined with polyethylene. And disposable cups are not recyclable or they're not even easy to recycle. So even that in itself is uh, a reason to not be using disposable cups. Number three is to replace your average store container. So if you have disgusting um, containers or ones that are filthy or old or stained, get rid of those. Like I suggest you go for leak proof, maybe glass or go for um, tempered, um, uh, gla- uh, tempered glass or plastic, but it not be the kind that's easily breakable or ones that melt easily or are old or are um, or easily damaged. With um, containers, I suggest, you know, glass. Metal containers are fine um, and they're better than plastic ones. So just looking for a durable type of container is your best bet here and not going for something that's cheap just because it's accessible and it's just there. Because over time, you're going to, you know, replace that over and over just because it's uh, cheap. Uh, number four is to um, you know buy and use cotton clothing um, because of the microfibers that are from um, non-natural um, fibers. That's a problem. Um, so you know buying non-synthetic, eco-friendly clothing is best. You know having uh, fibers like cotton. I did a whole episode on. I've done a few episodes about laundry and caring for clothes, um, and then looking for the particular type of uh, fibers that are natural so you can look in my uh, backlog for uh, those uh, few uh, podcast episodes and then I also did a recent uh, podcast episode I think earlier in 2020 uh, talking about washing needs and, and, and washing machines and you know getting yourself a, a laundry ball like the Cora ball and there's a few others I talked about in that podcast episode where you can put it in your uh, washing machine and it can kind of uh, have the fibers kind of link to the ball and they won't go away uh, in your wastewater uh, from your washing machine. Uh, number five is to use reusable bags, definitely not single use ones. Now, this is handy because one trillion plastic bags are used every single year and only 5% of them ever get recycled. That is a tiny, tiny portion. And so with reusable bags, they are not going to uh, end up in the landfill. You have many, many uses for them. Sometimes there are canvas bags. Sometimes there are nylon ones. Sometimes there are ones, you know, from purses that you, you know, make. And there are so many different types. You can get them from different places like Aldi, uh, you know, Giant, all these different um uh, national retailers, even international ones, they are doing sometimes a better job than even here in the U.S. when it comes to bags. But they have it down pat. Like it's it's almost like it's its own world. Just a number of bags that you can use and find and, and buy even online on eBay and other places that aren't single-use plastic ones. 
Um, and then surprisingly, um, you know, a lot of um, MRFs or uh, material recycling facilities, they will not process uh, plastic bags because they get stuck in their machinery. They are hard to um, get out of them and they, they cost a bit on the back end uh, to replace the machinery because, you know, people just throw them in their recycling bins and think that they're recyclable and okay. But no, I actually, you know, talked about it on another podcast episode two about uh, plastic bags and um, just returning them to your grocery stores are in bulk you know is what you can do to solve that issue Uh, number six is styrofoam now with styrofoam you know not using that because it isn't recyclable and if you do happen to use it fine but just use have a purpose for using it i did an um a whole episode which i'm going to get to in a little bit um about uh, ways to reuse styrofoam because it has styrene in it which is linked to cancer vision problems hearing loss impaired memory and all types of other health effects now do you want to uh, have that uh, happen to you all because of styrofoam i hope not and uh, styrofoam is so incredibly hard it's impossible and it's not able to be recycled and uh, with using it you're setting yourself up for some real pain down the line and so um in ending this i have i get the sixth the seventh or bonus uh, tip is all the corresponding podcast episodes that i've talked about in uh previous um times in the backlog um, which a lot of people still uh, tend to listen to, you know, my older episodes, different ones, and I love it. It, it really pays to uh, have you all listen, and it's amazing to, to, to see um, the topics that you listen to, and I love it. And so um, I did a whole episode on, like, plastic waste and reducing plastic waste. I did that the easily reducing your plastic waste 11 different ways in February 21st 2019 that was episode 26 and then I did an episode about styrofoam containers called another environmental win for Maine first state to ban styrofoam containers plus new price giveaway and that was on May the 5th 2019 that's episode 47 and that episode that uh, giveaway has since closed and then um, I also did microplastics and melting sea ice in the research there, and that was on September 26, 2019. That was episode 88, and I also did 11 different ways to green your laundry. That was a fun a series. It was uh, all types of different tips uh, during the holiday season. Um, just to get you squared away and then it was also a time of giveaways uh, green your laundry today and that was on November 10th uh, 2019 and that was episode 101 and that giveaway has since closed also and then last but not least how to reduce microfiber pollution on February 6 2020 that was episode 126 fact of the day is that in 2019, California's electrical grid produced record amounts of energy from solar and wind on some sunny days more than it could use. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club's Sierra Magazine 
in the May-June 2020 issue. So we've come to the point in Greener Thoughts where it is the Eco Company Spotlight time. And so we're going to deep uh, dive into an amazing company, one that I love for all things skincare. And I hope that you can uh, get into it and you know buy some of their products. Their stuff is amazing. I've been reviewing for a bit now since February 2019. And uh, I've had a lot of fun doing it. There's always some new company to learn about. Um, and uh, for you all, because I, I know about them because I use their stuff, buy their uh, products, suggest them. And I love my experience of all the products. I wish I could just buy all their stuff all the time, every day. Um, but for the times that I do buy their products and in between those times, uh, I do, you know, happen to repurchase. Um, I love getting to explore, um, just letting you know about the companies as well. They're amazing in their products and their services and everything. And one of the latest companies to share is Derma E Naturals. So Derma E was founded in 1984 and it creates formulations that incorporate powerful antioxidants, vitamins, and herbal remedies to produce therapeutic products that deliver results. Derma E prides itself on their passion, quality, and integrity. And because of that, that is why they make effective eagle ethical skincare. Derma E is based in Simi Valley, California, and they are committed committed to their sustainability uh, to the fullest. Uh, German E Naturals products are amazing because they're 100% vegan, GMO free, cruelty free, free of parabens, uh, sulfates, petroleum, mineral oils, thiolates, sodium lauryl sulfates. They're made using uh, wind power, their uh, products, they are soy free and they have recyclable packaging and they do not uh, use any ingredients of the over um, 2,700 common ingredients that have been found to be toxic to both people and the environment. Um, and of those ingredients are things, again, like parabens, thiolates, and more, like uh, formaldehyde, donors, animal ingredients, synthetic fragrances, and more. Uh, Derma E Naturals does not use any of those toxic ingredients um, in their products. As far as their product selection, they have so many different products. Um, I couldn't uh, uh, talk about them all, but I just wanted to give you um, their uses for their products. So uh, they have cleansers, they have everyday uh, or everything body care, they have exfoliators, eye creams, face masks, uh, hair uh, care products, moisturizers, oils, peels, serums, sun care items, toners, special treatments, and they also have, of course, sale products. And I love uh, Dermot E mainly because of their uh, face products too, like their skincare is like amazing, like they are the goat at what they do. And so I tried their Macrodermabrasion Scrub. Um, I think skincare is sometimes a uh, a point of contention with me, um, especially with um, lightening certain dark spots, things like that, and just having an even skin tone. 
um, but also just um, exfoliating is what I, I like um, and I need a scrub that handles my skin. And so my sister actually suggested it to me and she actually bought my first um, a package, my first jar of it uh, earlier within the year 2020 and it was from Ulta where um, she was shopping. And so this scrub really does work and I love it. I love that it's um, very, um, mild, but also it can, it is a, a tiny in its, um, scrub, um, itself. And I love that. I love that I can use it once or twice a week. Um, and it removes the oil, the grime, the gunk. Uh, it smells light and airy. Um, it's, it's fresh. It's beautiful. Um, it gives me a, a lot of great fresh scents in it. It's best used alone to scrub. Uh, you know, you don't you need necessarily any oil uh, uh, to use after it or a toner. Like as long as you thoroughly wash off uh, your skin, you should be good to go. But just uh, reading the directions and using the um, instructions, I should say, the instructions of the product itself. It's amazing. I give it five out of five thumbs up. I want to try more of their products, not just their uh, skin and facial products, but more products like maybe their uh, hair care products. If they have um, other things related to, you know, body oils, things like that, especially in bigger uh, containers, I would love that too. Um, and maybe, you know, lotions, things like that, um, as the winter months, you know, creep up. I love that their packaging is recyclable. It's luxe. It's expensive looking. It's, um, really beautiful. And then some, uh, it is their, their, some of their products are pricier, um, you know, not, and on the expensive side, but it is worth it. Um, and it's, it's not going to stay you wrong there. They have so many amazing reviews. They're popular on social media and they've been around for a long time. So they know skincare. So Derma E Naturals can be found in store and definitely online as well. On the website, www.dermae.com. That's D-E-R-M-A-E.com. They're also at GNC, natural food stores across the country in the U.S., uh, Sally Beauty Supply, Sprouts, Target, The Vitamin Shop, Whole Foods Market, Yes, Organic Market, and they're also at Ulta and other fine stores in the U.S. So Derma E Naturals can be found online on a few places. They're on Facebook at Derma E. They're on Instagram at Derma E, D-E-R-M-A-E, uh, all uh, one word and lowercase. They're on LinkedIn at Derma E. They're on Pinterest at Derma E. And they're on Twitter at Derma E. And they're on YouTube at Derma E. And I recently became a subscriber. To contact Derma E Naturals, it is pretty simple. All you have to do is go to their website, which is www.dermae.com. And then go to contact us at the bottom of the website to call or email them. So that is the program, everyone. 
Thank you all for listening and tuning in in this amazing, a bit sad topic for the hermit crabs. But um, if you want to reduce your microplastic pollution, then this is definitely the episode to check out. Tons of good information in here and it'll definitely lead you to other related podcast episodes I've done in my backlog and the catalog there. I really hope that you can share this podcast episode. Um, rate it as usual, or um, just give it to someone and send it to someone who you know would definitely use this well, maybe those who live near the beach, someone who never happens to recycle their plastic or doesn't know um, any information about it, maybe wants to learn something about it. This is the episode to share with them, Um, and of course the other related podcast episodes as well. You know, let me know what you think. You know, the reviews are there for that on places like Apple Podcasts, for example, um, and other types of platforms, especially the bigger um, podcast uh, platforms. So thank you, as always, for listening. And I love to hear every one of you um, in your comments, in your voice messages. I've gotten a few uh, voice messages uh, recently, and I love that. I love that engagement. Be sure to always send them uh, via uh, Anchor in the app, or you can do so on the Anchor um, FM website and then go into the voice message feature. Amazing stuff. So thank you. Thank you always uh, for coming back and for sharing Greener Thoughts. I hope to talk with you in a, again in a future podcast episode, but until then, you know what to do. Always be sure to take care of yourselves and of course, taking care of our amazing blue planet. Thank you and take care. Bye.